What do you get whenever you go to a gothic high school? What? An education. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> That's so dumb. <laughs> oh. Ugh, so dumb. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> my brain is kind of, my brain is very fried. Okay. Let me introduce this bitch and then we'll get into it. Welcome everybody. Hello. Welcome and welcome back to BNB Anime. I am Blue. That is Brad. That is Brad's daily joke, which is now I think, well, not daily. But, like, daily on the podcast, whenever the podcast is out, he's been doing a joke, is what I'm trying to say. I woke up, like, literally ten minutes ago. It's too early for this shit. It's, oh my god, I'm, I've had a week, it's been a very, very good week. Obviously, uh, I was not on the previous podcast that came out, I was, life was crazy, I'll update you guys in a second. Um, but we have actually recorded an episode in between um, the last podcast episode releasing and this one. So I'm trying to like think about where, where the timeline is because that one was obviously pre-recorded for a later date, which again, I will talk to you about in a moment. But we did discuss things during that and that podcast went wrong several times. So there are times that we discussed things on the first recording that then there were tech issues with, so it didn't end up getting past, like, I don't know, 17 minutes or something of raw audio before we had to to restart recording. So there are things that I said that first time that I don't know if I'm going to repeat or not, or if I'm just going to not say, and then they don't end up being on any recording, because, of course, we deleted that one. So I don't know. <laughs> you, act like, you act like your brain's been a little frazzled from the last time we've recorded in this one. You know, just like, just the tiniest. I mean, it's not like there are other factors contributing to how frazzled my brain is right now. No, but what is more important than our weekly sit down to just sit and <laughs> spew bullshit? Nothing. Literally nothing. The world does not keep turning if we don't do this. I mean, my world doesn't, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so... Official podcast announcement. You've probably heard it a little bit here and there because we have kind of um, brought it up, but it's never been like an official statement. I think I'm going to also officially state it on the next, like on the backup pre-release podcast as well. So if you listen to all of our podcasts, you're going to hear this twice. But I am moving. The hell? I was not made aware of this. Right, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, no, I am moving out to Toronto from Alberta. So I'm going from the mountains, the middle of nowhere, to big city life. Um, it's something that I've like never actually done before. Like big, big city. I've lived obviously very, very close to big cities because in the UK you kind of can't really get much distance from a big city like even if you're in the country in the UK it wouldn't take you very long to get to a really big city and uh but yeah I'm living I'm now going to be living in a in a very big city but yeah I'm going there because I have some art opportunities that are super duper exciting and also it's easier for a lot of my voice acting work and game development and a lot of all of the other stuff that I've been doing producing um, so yeah, it's just opening up a whole load of avenues for me because obviously while COVID was happening and we were all really, really on lockdown, it didn't really make much difference to my 
to my career, but now things are opening back open, uh, back up again. And uh, yeah, there is, there, it is more of an impact and it will continue to further be more of an impact. And then with this thing, with art school and stuff, like art classes that I'm taking and all of that excitement stuff, that's happening as well. It was just really, really good timing. So I signed on the dotted line yesterday for a flat or an apartment. And oh my God, paying that first and last month's rent though is like, oh my God, all of my money. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure your, uh, I'm sure your piggy bank had to bust on that one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I used to pay rent when I was um, uh, up in Calgary, but I've been living with my parents for quite a while since my mum had breast cancer. And so, yeah, it's like, I don't know, it, it's it's going to be odd to get back into that world again a bit. But I'm very excited to, like, I don't know, just, just decorate everything how I want it to be. And I'm getting pretty much everything from secondhand shops. There's only a few things that I'm buying new, um, like my mattress and, you know, things that you can't clean. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I don't know, I'm super duper excited. As you should be. Thank you. My biggest thing over the past like week that I've been stressing about more than anything is how to ship my PC and all of my equipment out there because obviously it's very delicate stuff and like most shipping companies are incredibly expensive. So yeah, it was just like, oh my god, what am I going to do? Do I figure out a way to take it on the plane? Do I like post it in some way or another? Do we hire a car and drive it out there? Do we hire an RV? Because that's so much cheaper than hiring a delivery truck. For the low, low price of letting me pet Tilly and dinner, I will come pick up your PC and deliver it to you. Honestly, I would do that if I, if I didn't need it, like right off the bat so we could record the podcast. <laughs> you, you act like we can't backlog enough episodes to That's make true. this happen. That's true. But I do also have another big voice acting project where I need all of my shit. So we have found a, um, like a postal kind of service that goes by, like, they specifically move small apartments or like studio apartments, one bedroom apartments, places like that. So they have like small vans and that's what they do is they ship like that's their whole company practice mm -hmm. and so we found them and they're actually a really really reasonable price it's kind of the same that it would be through any other uh avenues when they have a deal on you know is their like regular price mm -hmm. so and and they seem to be a very trustworthy company i'm still nervous about shipping my pc but i know that my brother has my back so he's going to take it apart to like protect the things that need protecting although most of it's probably going to stay in the tower because obviously it's safer in the tower um, and i don't have liquid cooling or anything so i don't need to like worry about that because here in canada i don't actually need very much cooling for my pc maybe i will now i'm going to be in toronto which is something i need to look at because it's so much more humid there that i might need the liquid cooling but out here in alberta it's definitely not needed i live in the humid south Liquid cooling is not necessary. Okay. Well, I say that. So I don't have like one of those like super like liquid cooling rigs or any sort of shit like that. Mm -hmm. However, my cooler is like a 280 millimeter uh, like liquid cooling loop. Mm -hmm. But it's just the cooler itself. Like I said, it's not like one of those like full liquid cooling rigs or anything like that. But mm -hmm. it is significantly cooler on my processor because my processor used to be hot as fuck. And now it stays where it should be. 
Right. Yeah. But my processor is also the 9900K. So basically, mm-hmm. it's a very, like, top-of-the-line hot boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my brother was um, getting the assistance of one of his online friends from um, Australia to help build my PC, because my brother knows a lot about PCs, but he doesn't know a lot about, like, what's just come out on the market mm-hmm. as for, for tech. So he was, like, talking to them, and they were... Um, uh, talking about, oh, this liquid cooler, this liquid cooler, this liquid cooler. My brother's like, yeah, uh, this PC is going to be in Canada, not Australia. So, and they were like, oh, forgot about that. I was like, that's <laughs> half of my budget. It's just cooling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think mine was just like 120 bucks. Mm-hmm. So, should you actually need to invest in one? I don't know what size your tower is, but mine's just like one of the two fan setups. Yeah. So, should you need something like that, I can highly recommend it, because it makes a massive difference. And by massive, I mean like a 40 or 50 degree difference. Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah, I'll definitely ask you then if if I find it necessary. But right now, I mean, my computer is on pretty much, well, every time I use my computer, it's so rare that I hear the fan. It's rare enough that when I hear it, I go, what's that? That's weird. And then I, I like, take off my headphones and look, because, like, just in a basement in Alberta in Canada, even in the middle of July, August, my computer's fans don't click on. The heating clicked on yesterday in Canada, just saying. The hell? Yeah, it's been stormy. We were actually meant to record this yesterday, and uh, but we couldn't because it was storming all morning, and then when the storm finished, the winds were howling, and yeah... I have an issue with like power lines flickering out here, and because we record this all in one lump, it is um, a delicate situation to <laughs> to be two hours into a podcast and the power lines go out. Um, so what? No. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I was a little bit worried about that. They did flicker a little bit, but it wasn't too bad. But it's enough for me to go. It's not worth it. We'll just record another day, and uh, which is something maybe we won't ever have to experience when I'm in Toronto, which will be nice. Hopefully so, but we will see. We will see. And uh, uh, I lost my point. Oh yeah, Uh, um, and then all of a sudden I was like, uh, like I woke up because I woke up at six a.m. this morning. Six a.m. I hate. I I did the thing that I hate. If you say 6am, you don't need to mention that it was morning. But I, I did that. I just said 6am this morning. I'm sorry if that's also one of your pet peeves. It's one of mine. I absolutely hate when people people reiterate that it was morning when they say am. For some reason, people don't do it p.m. Like, I, I don't ever hear, like, oh, 8pm in the evening. But I always hear, oh, like, 6am in the morning. I just want to know who the hell says, like, 6 a.m. and then in the morning. Like, who audibly speaks a.m.? I it's do. Just 6 in the morning. Yeah, I do. I don't know if that's, like, a European thing, because if I'm saying something on the dot, I normally say a.m. or p.m. Or And then if I say, like, because I know that if I say quarter two, I mean, like, 15 minutes to the hour, quarter to the hour. Um, or quarter past, but I know that a lot of that gets a little bit muddled in translation, especially when I first came here. Now I'm obviously surrounded by people that know that I'm English and get used to the quirks. But um, when I first came here, I was like, oh, it's qu- what time is it? Oh, it's quarter two. And then they were like, what do you mean? And I'm like, oh, it's 15 minutes to blank, whatever the time is, because that wasn't part of the conversation. So maybe the AM PM thing is also a thing, or maybe that's just something I picked up because I'm weird. Well, I mean, it's one of those things to where whenever i'm messaging someone 
then I feel like it's better to specify a.m. or p.m. rather than morning or evening. However, verbally speaking, I feel like it's just much easier to say in the morning or in the evening because I feel like it kind of comes across better. Mm. Or like the brain picks it up easier. But then again, I don't know. I'm also an idiot. No, I feel like there is a level of accuracy in that. It's much more conversational to say like in the morning or in the evening or at night, in the afternoon, whatever. I don't know. I don't know why I say a.m. or p.m. I don't know if I just said that because if I was like going quickly and my brain was like efficiency or what. I don't know. So here's the thought. Mm -hmm. Midnight. Is it in the morning or at night? See, in my brain, I say at night, but it's written a.m. Tis quite the debacle. (laughs) Yeah, because I would say at night. It's 12 at night. You see, I would say 12 in the morning. Weird. Right? Yeah. Or I'd just say midnight and then leave it up to the interpreter. But again, I feel like it'd be a lot easier to say, you know, 12 in the morning rather than midnight. Mm. No, because then I would say 12 at night. See, we're weird. We're weird. This time is a weird one. Sometimes I wonder, like, how these, like, podcasts evolve into what they are. <laughs> so do you just say noon for for midday? Yes. Right. Because I would never say noon. Noon is actually quite hard to say with my accent. I don't know why. Noon. Noon. Yeah, it sounds... <laughs> <laughs> like, it's quite hard to say. It's adorable. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's, it's midday for me. Ew. Or, or just 12. If I just say 12, I mean when normal people are awake hours. Obviously not when you and I are awake hours. I mean, we are awake, but that's not, like, we are awake for both I was going to say, like, so. our, our awakes for 12 are, we, we are awake for both. Both, yeah. However, I have a feeling that's probably going to change for you probably a bit more once you get over here, or at least our recording schedules are going to change a little bit once you get into you know, the proper time zone and yes. not the time zone that you're in. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see how... I've always been a night owl, so we'll see how far I can stretch it uh, when I have shit to do in the mornings. I don't know. Just just put your classes, like, in midday to evening yeah. and you'll be fine. I'm only going to have classes in the afternoon. No, it's, um... Yeah, it's one of those things. It's, I, I don't know. I can't function in the mornings. I've never been a morning person. Um, I had, we had a point to all of this, though. There was a thing that we were talking about that we've gotten side sidetracked from that... I have no clue, mate. I, that, before I was on 6am in the morning, I, I said that for a reason. What was I talking about? Oh, you woke up at 6 today. Oh, I had a nightmare. Oh. Yeah. I, uh, uh, oh, and that's when the heating clicked on. It was 6am. That was my point. <laughs> <laughs> well, the nightmare is unfortunate. Mm. Yeah, it was about my mama, which is, I've had one night terror about my mum, and then one, well, one that I can remember nightmare. I've had nightmares and night terrors my whole life. The night terror was so upsetting. I was like genuinely upset for days, not like scared, upset for days afterwards. And now whenever I think about it, I still get super upset about it because it was just so horrifying, like being there, sitting in a seat, turning next to your mum and seeing her, like, scolded. I'm sorry, trigger warning, probably should have put that there. That was <laughs> very graphic. But yeah, I'm, I've, I've suffered from night terrors since I was very small. So this is, like, when I talk about them, I talk about them quite casually. I know for a lot of people, they're not a casual subject. It's not, I've just always had them. I was born with them. I promise I'm okay. I just have night terrors. <laughs> mm. But yeah, this morning, it was, she 
and I were a drive-through, which was really weird. And well, it's not weird that we were a drive-through. What happened at the drive-through was weird. They did an ultrasound on her lungs, like through the window. It was very weird. What kind of Tim Hortons is this? I honestly, I don't know. I guess my brain combined like those drive-through COVID testing things with, I don't also know where they would do an ultrasound of her lungs. I don't know. It, it, it was a nightmare okay <laughs> shit doesn't make sense and uh they were doing an ultrasound of her lungs through the window and i turn and look at her and uh and they're like we're gonna need you to come in for further testing and so we drive around we park up we go inside the building and the time skip they diagnose my mum with lung cancer oh shit yeah and then i wake up um, it was a very quick dream, probably only took about 15 seconds in real life, but dream time it felt about a half hour. And uh, uh, I don't know, it was one of those things where it's just like, that was really weird and it's just given me a like a thought in my brain that I didn't need. And, mm-hmm. um, and now I'm not getting back to sleep again. So I was up since 6am, um, hence why I fell asleep right before recording this podcast. <laughs> and I woke up three minutes late to our meeting time. I see where I stand on the list of importance. Yeah. But no, sleep is good. (laughs) Although I am, my brain died. (laughs) It has been a long day. I know it's accidental. However, if I can give you shit, I'm going to give shit. That's what I do. That's okay. At least I didn't miss the whole recording time due to falling asleep. Don't you talk shit. (laughs) (laughs) You have done that too. Don't play that game with me. <laughs> True. <laughs> we are both guilty of this. <laughs> we are. Sleep comes before anything. Yeah, sleep is very important. One thing I've noticed ever since I've started the new job is I'm now an old man. So I actually sleep now. I get six hours instead of three. See, yes, but no. I'm very happy that you're getting more sleep. It does not make you an old man. Can we try and increase that to at least seven? No. I'm already pissed that I'm losing productivity with anime watching, gaining three more hours of sleep, and therefore losing three hours of watch time every day. But, like, health, though. No, no. If you listen to Arnold's speech where he's talking about it, if you can't survive off six hours of sleep, then sleep faster. Yeah, but, like, health, though. (laughs) But Arnold! The man is right. He's a Terminator, for God's sake. He may very well be, but, like, he was also a bodybuilder and crap. His his body is already pushed to its limits. It's sleep. One more hour. Seven to nine hours. That's just what the doctors say. Just do one more, and then you're good. And then I can't pester you because you're you're right when the doctors say. But, it's you good. see, due to, you know, the big sad... For over a decade, I survived off three and a half, so I think I'm doing pretty good on six. Okay, yes, agreed. Very good on six. We like six. Aim for seven. (laughs) I will make no promises, but I will try. That's what I want to hear. There we go. Yes! (laughs) But now, on the topic of night terrors, I don't know if I discussed this, but... So while I was house-sitting for my aunt, I don't remember if I discussed this back... During the winter, but I house sat for them over Christmas, and I had probably the most, like, horrific night terror, I guess. Mm. And so, back whenever I house sat for them a few weeks ago, I could not sleep while I was over there. 
Like, that is probably the worst bit of sleep I have gotten, and I can't tell you how long. Just because even though it's been seven months since that happened, like, just staying over there, like, I, it's just a sense of unease. So, I understand the whole night terror thing. Like, I... I get that, and it's weird, like, how night terrors, no matter how old, can still affect you, depending on the situation that you're in. Yeah. And I feel like the reason it probably bothered me so much is because it was, like, a weird mixture of sleep paralysis and a night terror at the same time. It was either sleep paralysis, or it was so vivid because it happened in my aunt's house. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know, real weird, but ever since then... Like, I just have the absolute worst time sleeping. So I I totally get the night terror thing, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, when I was really, really small, my mom uh, got me this thing that she called a dream journal. And it's not like, uh, lots of people have dream journals where they write down their, their any dream that they have and they just store them and then they can look back on them and, and see what they mean or they laugh at them or whatever, you know? Mm. It wasn't like that, although we called it a dream journal. It was um, uh, one of those books with, like, tear-out pages and whenever I had a nightmare or a night terror that would wake me up, and obviously when I was younger, I had much more extreme reaction, outwardly reactions to them, because obviously I still have reactions now, but most of them are kind of more internal because I'm an adult, so I don't go around screaming and crying about them anymore. Um, although, you know, mood. Uh, but like when I was like, you know, six, and I used to have them, I would wake up and I'd be crying and screaming, and my mom would come in my room and it would be like, I don't know, 3 a.m., you know? And my mom would tell me to say aloud whatever my dream was if I felt comfortable. And she would write it down in this journal. She would tear out the page. And then the two of us would go outside. This was when we lived, obviously, in the UK. So even at winter, the coldest is, like, absolute coldest is minus five, you know? That's pushing it. So we would put on slippers and, and coats and stuff, but we would go outside and my mom would give me a match and I would burn the paper as like a symbol of it's gone now. Like we wrote it down. It's all on there. We get every detail. Now it's burnt and it's gone. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things that I think I might try again now when I get these night terrors. It's just that like I feel like because it really did help my brain as a kid to be like, okay, we're done with that. You know, it was like a a really good visual and like, it hit quite a few senses, obviously, because, like, being written on paper, so you're seeing it and hearing the paper and all that kind of stuff. You hear the strike of the match, you smell the smoke, you smell the paper, the ink. Like, it hits a few senses. So I feel like your body kind of... it Like, it's more of just than, like, telling someone, which doesn't hit as many senses. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It, like, yeah, it, it was just a much stronger reaction for me as a kid to help be like, okay, we're done with this. That happened... But it's all there now, and now it's gone. We burnt it. Can't come back. And then after that, I would be able to go back to sleep again. So maybe it's something that you should try in your aunt's house. Write it down. Everything that happened, everything you can remember. Burn it and see if it helps. Hmm. Maybe. I don't know. We shall. We shall see. Yeah. I. It's one of those things that it's just like, maybe it, it, because I was a kid, it, it was more effective. I don't know. But because it's so, it hits so many senses, I feel like it has some kind of psychological impact. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It might be worth a try just to see. Yeah. yeah. But I, all I know is that, like, still to this day, like, even thinking about it now, like, I can just feel, like, my chest tighten. Yeah. So who who knows? Yeah. One thing I do know is that I almost died earlier this week. 
Bloody hell, what happened? Uh, so, I was making a delivery for work, and on the way back, I was going down the interstate. Now, I don't know how highways and stuff are in Canada. However, here, the interstate is like speed limit of 70 miles per hour, which is fast. Yeah, that's more like the UK. Out here, it's quite slow. It's like 110 kilometers, and I feel like that's slower. Oh, no, it is the same. It just feels slow. Yeah, so 70 is uh, basically 113. Yeah. So, yeah, so I was going that fast. Actually, a little bit faster because I was in the left lane. Mm-hmm. And tire exploded. Jeez. And so Van just immediately tried to go, like, to the left into the trees. And I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> Wow. So thankfully, I was far enough ahead of the people behind me that they saw what happened. So I guess they like left space for me to get over. Yeah. So I managed to get over on the side of the road and I just sat there. Yeah. Like just shaking because I was like, <sighs> like, I, yeah. I don't know how the fuck the van didn't flip. I don't know how the fuck I survived, but I did. But like, I was just riding along, jamming, like just jamming the hell out, listening to, I know what it was. I was listening to the Demon Slayer OP, so I guess my breathing <laughs> techniques just like kicked in, and I just managed to like water breathe myself to the side of the road. Oh my god, you, you are sick of the anatomy character, yeah. You oh just needed god. something traumatic to unlock it. That's oh. it, like I'd, I'd hit like my, like. Ultra instinct breathing technique, just all at one time. <laughs> yeah, no, that's uh, insane. I'm glad you're okay. Yeah, I, I'm glad too. Although that like gave me some sort of PTSD because we went to Udawa last night for dinner, and like as soon as we got on the interstate, like I just immediately felt like just my whole body clench, and I was like, oh, well, that's weird. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, completely normal to be anxious after something like that. That's insane. But again, I'm totally fine. Yeah, no, but like your your body doesn't, your brain doesn't like register that you're fine. It's still a threat, right? So your body's going to yeah. react in a way that sees it as a threat. But so here's like as a continuation to that story, though. So I was on the side of the road for mm. three fucking hours. Ew. It took my company's roadside assistance. Or, like, whoever the fuck they use, because they don't have their own, like, they outsource it to somebody. But whoever the fuck they outsource it to. I was on the side of the road for three fucking hours waiting on roadside assistance. That's, like, really dangerous. Yeah, on the side of the interstate, like, vehicles just flying past me. 18-wheelers, cars, cops. What, the police didn't pull over to, like, odd? That's, because that's, wow, okay. Yeah. Uh, my dad had something kind of similar to that happen one mm-hmm. time. Um, he went, normally, like, most times when my dad goes skiing, I tag along. But this was one time when, I don't know, I didn't go for some reason. And this is when we had the old Jeep. So when we first immigrated to Canada, we bought a couple cars just, like, off of Kijiji. And uh, they were only a couple grand. And one of them we ended up keeping for, like, a decade. Um, And it was a 96 Jeep Cherokee. And it was just one of those, like, it was kind of like a Lego car, you know? You go to the scrap heap and grab bits and bobs whenever something failed and just repair it up and it was fine. And so we kept it for a super long time, way longer than we should have, really. 
And, but yeah, this was, he had taken the Jeep to go skiing because it's better in the mountains. And on the way back, he was driving down the road and then all of a sudden his wheel came off when his back left wheel just like came off. And so he pulled over to the side of the road and, uh, but yeah, it turns out that at the ski resort, some, somebody had thought it would, would be funny to remove the bolts on my dad's, one of my dad's wheels. The hell? So, yeah, they just found a random car, <clears throat> took off all of the, the, the nuts, bolt nuts. I don't know. I don't know the difference. Don't come at me. On, uh, on, yeah, my dad's left back wheel and pocket them, I guess. And then, uh, and then as my dad was driving on the highway back home, luckily he takes more of the back roads to go skiing and stuff because it, it is like, I don't know, it's, it's just a nicer route. So we tend to take that one. So it wasn't, we weren't going, he wasn't going as fast as he would have. But yeah, then the, the wheel just like slid off as, as he was driving. Obviously reported it to the RCMP. And, but yeah, there's, I mean, there was not much they could do. It was in a giant open car park. There was no like security cameras or anything. So, but if that had gone wrong, or if it had been like, pretty much, I feel like quite a few other cars wouldn't have handled it as well as our big old chunky Jeep would have, you know? Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely not. Yeah, that was a that was a thing that I. <laughs> but yeah, my dad had to stay at a hotel that night because he had to get um the roadside assistance back into the country basically because he was still hours away from home. Mm-hmm. And then me and my mum had to go pick him up that next day. Um, and then. Uh, see the jeep in the shop obviously the jeep was fine the jeep got patched right up again it did have a bit of scraping along along some edges from where it had gone down onto the the grass bank but uh yeah the jeep was fine my dad was fine everyone else was fine it was just like how dangerous could that have been especially for the car behind as well like you said with your exploding tire Mm -hmm. because again like it's very hard to like stop or slow down whenever you're going that fast like that quickly Mm -hmm. so Again, like, it's obviously horrifying for the person, but also the people behind you. Like, that's that's not a fun time. Yeah. What is it, like, um, two seconds between you and the person in front of you? Isn't that what you're supposed to have? Uh, at least two car lengths, two seconds, something like that. Yeah. I don't know how it is up there, but here nobody fucking pays attention to that. No. I mean, we kind of do, but it's not intentional. <laughs> the, the population's mm. so small that it's rare that the traffic is enough. To where mm-hmm. people wouldn't pay attention to that. But you do see people like overtaking and slotting in really small. And then you think, I'm going to have to pull back now because you're being an asshole. Because mm-hmm. that wasn't that wasn't room for you to slide in. That was just my two seconds. Yeah. Yeah, people are people are assholes when it comes to driving. But yeah, guys, stay safe out on the roads. Yeah, be, be careful. Drive safe. Don't be a dumbass. Yeah. That's been your weekly PSA from us. Yeah, and and if you're in every now and again, just check that your your bolts are still there. Just check, just go around yeah. check your wheels. Always check your vehicle before you go on long trips. Yeah, or just like once a week, check it anyway. Like always check your oil and shit. Yeah, but especially with long trips, like you want to make sure that everything's fine because a lot of shit like that tends to happen whenever you're going on long trips. Yeah. Oh, so I got to see Tree's kid yesterday. Yeah. I have henceforth been nicknamed Uncle Tower. That is now my new nickname. It's appropriate. And I will be referred to in no other shape, form, or fashion. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. <laughs> but yeah, uh, that was fun. I got to 
I got to see him. Also, I had to pick up a gift for a mutual friend of ours. So mm-hmm. now I got to figure out how to ship that shit to the UK in the <laughs> cheapest format possible. Uh, yeah, good luck with that, because, uh, you know. Well, luckily it's a pen, <laughs> so I'm hoping I can fit it into an envelope and customs aren't going to ask too much questions. No, a pen should be fine. So long as you, if I were you, just go a little bit stamp crazy and then they forgive you. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm like, I know that I need to like stick like a happy birthday card or some shit in there. Mm-hmm. So that way they won't have to pay a metric fuck ton of money. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll see. Hopefully I'll be able to finagle it to where it will cost me as little as possible and cost him nothing. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. We'll see how this goes. Yeah, if it's just like a card and a pen, you should be pretty fine. Yeah, because that was kind of our whole plan, because it was going to cost him like a decent chunk to get it imported. Mm -hmm. Then we're like, oh, what if I buy it and then like stick like a happy birthday card or some shit in there and then stick it into like a white envelope and then mail it. Mm. So hopefully it only costs me like a couple of bucks. Like I said, it won't cost him anything. We'll see. I'm not used to shipping things internationally, so this will be a fantastic way to get me prepped to send you all of your shit, which I should have your shark hoodie by the middle of next week. Ooh, such a Yeah, so I'll hold off on sending all that to you until you get to your new apartment, and then I'll just mail it all. Yeah, sounds good. I have a few things that I need to mail you. Care packages incoming. Mm. Anyway, we rambled for a while, so we should kind of... We did ramble. Retrack. Uh, news? Yeah, yeah let's do some All news. All right. Oh my God. Wow, it's it, a day. It has been a day. All right, so the new Dragon Ball Super film it has officially had its title announced. Okay. Are you ready for this nonsense? Yes. Dragon Ball Super. Superhero. I don't know how I feel about it. No, I, wow. Yeah, I, uh, I don't, I don't know how I feel. Yeah. Like, I was hoping, you know, it would, like, they would just pick up where, you know, Broly left off, and we could, you know, just kind of continue on into where the manga is at now. But nope, we we get a film about a superhero. Yeah. But it's Dragon Ball. I'm going to have a great time. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. But I just don't know how I feel. I wish it was that little bit more stupid, and it was um Dragon Ball Super Super Dragon. Yeah, or just, That's... you know, if you're going to go like that, go outlandish with it. Yeah. But that, I I don't know. Either way, I'm excited. I, I can't wait for next year whenever it comes out. But my God. Yeah. I just, uh, but on in other film news, <laughs> trying okay. to seamlessly transition from the stupid, uh, <laughs> Gintama, the very final anime film. Is going to open in North American theaters, subbed and dubbed, on November 21st and 22nd. Mm. But anyway, so, I don't know if you remember this or not, but this is the film that unseated Demon Slayer for the first time. Right, After, like, yeah. it's, like, 20 or, like, it's 20-week streak at number one. Mm-hmm. This is the film that unseated it, and so it's finally getting released in North America a whole ten and a half months later. Mm-hmm. But I know that Gintama isn't necessarily that popular over here in the States. I love what I've seen of Gintama so far. Like, they have a lot of, like, pop culture, like, funny anime references and shit. So, it's great. I would like to cover it for the podcast or, like, some sort of Gintama nonsense just because it's 
great. And obviously, it's a fan favorite because the show's had like four or five hundred episodes. Mm-hmm. So it's exciting. I'll probably have to go see it just for giggles. Also, it was number one in the Japanese box office, so why not? It obviously has to be good. Yeah, I have a, a brain connection with it. When I hear the name of it, Gintama, I always think of Gudetama, the like, egg, sad egg, lazy egg boy, Sanrio <laughs> character. Uh-huh. So, so whenever I hear it, I'm like, wait, they did an anime about it? Oh, no, wait, different thing. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's that's the connection in my brain. So, you know, cute. Yes. Yeah. And then, so, with Demon Slayer still in mind, so mm-hmm. Funimation has officially gotten the license to stream the new season of Demon Slayer in October. Okay. So, will they will they be simuldubbing it, like, at the exact same time? Will it be a couple weeks behind? Who knows? Either way, right. they got the licensing for it. Yeah, I feel like they're going to have to at least try and and do it so it's a dual release, because otherwise there's going to be a huge spoiler community out there. Yeah, but I mean, at this point, who watches Demon Slayer dubbed? True. I mean, some people have to, I would assume, like if they're not, if they're dyslexic or whatever. I don't know. Um, Maybe it's maybe it's like a, a, a thing for them. But like personal preference is always dubbed for me. It works better for my brain keeps me interacted but yeah i don't know i mean for me it's definitely like you know six in one hand half a dozen in the other like some stuff i will always prefer to watch dubbed over sub for instance dragon ball Mm -hmm. but i can also like i don't dislike the sub for dragon ball anymore like i'm used to all the characters i'm used to everything Mm -hmm. so it's totally fine like doesn't bother me at all however Mm -hmm. demon slayer that yeah it's just it's so bad I get it, like, if there's some sort of issues with it, then you know that 100% makes sense, so I'm not I'm not worried about it. You know what, now that I think about it, I think I watched Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood dubbed, because mm-hmm. I didn't watch it in my house, I watched it at the Twins, and I don't think they watched subbed at the time. Oh, well that makes sense. Yeah. I also watched Brotherhood dubbed, so I, I guess... Whenever we inevitably cover it on the podcast, we'll go on a subbed adventure together. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Either that or your brain won't be able to handle it and you'll have to watch it dubbed. Yeah, my brain's gonna be like, no, this is wrong. Something is wrong here. Yeah, this this is very wrong. I don't like it. I don't like it. Stop it. And then last piece of news. So our mutual friend was very excited about this whenever I sent it to him. Mm-hmm. Tokyo Mew Mew has officially released its new battle costumes in a new key visual. Mm. It's adorable. I... I can't wait for it to come out, because we'll, we'll have to cover it. Sure. I mean, yeah. why not? It It's great. It's Sailor Moon transformations. Apparently, it's supposed to be better than Sailor Moon in some people's eyes. So we'll we'll have to get around to it. I know they have yeah. the entire uh, show subbed on YouTube. So we'll we'll try to figure out the old one eventually, maybe. But I'm excited. It'll be great. It'll be a fun time. Cool. But that's it. That's all I got on news. That's all the news. Okay, do we want... Have we even said what we're covering today? I don't know. Uh, editor, add in what we were covering beforehand, and then now too, because why not? <laughs> That's me. I'm the editor this week. Yeah, look at you. <laughs> yeah, do you want to do the, the intro then? You can go for it. This week, My Hero Academia, Two Heroes, the film. Mm. 
I don't know why I added spooky noises, but we're going with it. <laughs> it it's a spooky film. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> so, My Hero Academia: Two Heroes was directed by Tomo Okubo. It was written by Yosuke Kuroda and was made by Studio Bones. To those who don't know Studio Bones, you're living under a rock. Because it's my hero. We've talked about them a lot up to this yes. point. Mm-hmm. The film premiered at Anime Expo on July 5th of 2018 and premiered in Japan on August 3rd of 2018. Mm-hmm. And in the box office, it did $27.5 million. So it did well. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. So on my end, for my bit of background that I have, it is rated a 7.64 on my anime list. It is a 4.33 out of 5 or an 8.66 out of 10 on Anime Planet. Uh, it is a PG-13, which I feel like is very appropriate. Yep. Very much mm-hmm. so. Yep. Uh, it is an action shonen super superpower kind of thing. That's what it's classified as. And it is one hour and 36 minutes long. So it's a solid hour and a half film. It doesn't feel like it. I don't feel like it drags. No, definitely not. On a rewatch, the opening bit kind of drags. Yeah, there's a lot of um, catch you up to things that have happened in the show. So if you like, you could watch it as a standalone film without having watched the show. Although I but, don't recommend it because no. this film is canon. It very it very much sits because I know we talked about this whenever we covered seasons one and two. Yeah. It sits in between the final exams and the forest arc. Yeah. So it very much like sits in a particular spot. Yeah. So you can kind of watch it as its own standalone film, but I don't recommend it. No, it definitely gives you... I, I, I'm i not going to say it gives you full spoilers. Well, it probably does give you full spoilers in the flashbacks, to be honest. But um, it, it you, I feel like you would be confused if you didn't have the context, even with all of the flashbacks. Mm. So, but yeah, those, those like, catch-up moments are pretty... I wouldn't say they're too long, but I will say it was enough for make, me to make me, like, skip through mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, just a few, you know, where you hit the, like, forward 10 seconds button or whatever it is. Um, a couple of but times. But that's just because... that's just you in general. Like anytime you sense cringe, you're just like, get this shit away Stamp. from me. Yeah. Um. <laughs> agreed. But yeah, that that was one of those things. Where I was like, oh, I'm just gonna tap for it a couple of times. So you may find that it may not bother you if you watch a load of ops, like ops that repeat and stuff, and you leave them playing all the time when you watch anime. Then this is not going to be an issue for you. You won't find it too in-depth, too repeated. Mm-hmm. For me, I skip all of those sections, so it, I I skipped this too. But yeah, it didn't, I mean, yeah, you know. So yes, a little bit of background on the film without spoiling anything. It is based around our main character, um, Deku Amiruria, and uh, Izuku, he is a student at um, a academy for learning how to be a superhero, basically. Um, and him and his guardian slash teacher slash the number one hero slash idol slash like basically the the yeah idol the person he looks up to the most out of anybody has taken him on a trip to this island the synthetic island man-made island um where they are having an expo and like a, a party and stuff for in the name of like science and stuff and so they're going when the two of them get to said island, shenanigans 
happen on said island. It's a superhero film. I'm sure you can put two and two together to figure out what happens. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much the basics of it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, spoiler warning, officially on for, I'm just going to blanket state all my hero stuff. So if you're not caught up to the latest moment, I don't know if we're going to accidentally mention something throughout this because both Brad and I are caught up. So... Yeah, we may we may say something that may be a spoiler for, for later seasons or whatever. We'll try not to, but if we do, fair warning. Yeah, so spoiler chicken hats on. Yes. Question number one. Did you prefer this one or Heroes Rising? Oh, good question. Um, I really liked that this was canon. That was a huge thing that I was actually thinking about whilst watching the film. It made me pay more attention, I feel like, to it. Hmm. I thought the fight scene in this was interesting because the way that they did the fight scene was like, well, the vast majority of the fight scene, except at the very end bit, was we can't actually engage. Mm-hmm. We're trying to avoid it as much as possible, which was an interesting take. I feel like it was a more accurate approach to how something like that would have actually have taken place. Agreed, agreed. And in fact, again, spoiler, so skip ahead like 20 or 30 seconds, this is very similar to how the season three stuff with the fight with all for one kind of took place with Bakugo getting kidnapped and all that. Yeah. It's a very similar situation to how that would have taken place. And considering this preceded that, mm-hmm. it's very good for stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed the kind of uh, big betrayal in this film. Mm-hmm. I thought that was very good. I thought there was a big twist in the way that they did it. I thought it was played out very well. I think I prefer this one. I think I find this one more watchable, even though I think that the fight scene of the other one may have been more entertaining. Like the last bit, you know, the big action bit was very well animated on the previous one. And there were some like, I don't know though, because you got to see some cool moments of the other students in this film too. Mm-hmm. See, I feel like they were both equally good. The yeah. Heroes Rising was much prettier, I will say. Like, I preferred the visuals on that one. However, I feel like this one was more impactful and an overall, like, better fight scene. I agree. Also, I feel like this one definitely meant more. Because you see Deku and All Might fighting side by side for the first and only time. Yeah. Whereas the other one, you see Deku and Bakugo come together to fight. And also, I feel like throughout this whole the the large fight scene with this film as well you're sitting there and you're waiting for deco to prove himself throughout the whole thing you're like mm. see him see him for what he is like the whole time until the very last moment and then that time when you get that image capture reference where it pulls back to all might is so satisfying because you've been craving it the whole fight scene mm-hmm. oh yeah 100 percent. yeah and also being able to see deco go all out was phenomenal Oh, yeah, yeah. And the fact that he broke the device as well was a fantastic way to explain why he no longer has it and can no longer go back to, to full power. Even though I feel like All Might would have said, okay, chuck it because you need to train it. You can't just use gadgets. Yeah, well, not only that, but it like it was very specifically stated that he can only go all out with it three times. So it conveniently left itself some plot armor in for it to break. Yes. Also, just... <laughs> Mineta and Kaminari in this film just had me die. Yeah, he, they, they weren't, he, uh, Minata is, is, he has had some very creepy moments. This movie, I feel like he was toned down a tad to where it was more infatuation. I mean, it was definitely creepy, but mm. like it wasn't, there, there have been times where he has been 
too much. Um, yeah. And this one, I feel like it wasn't it wasn't so bad. So if he's a character that you genuinely or generally really don't like, I feel like this one it won't be so bad this time. Yeah, this one was a lot more of a like comedic relief type scenario instead of it just being a character quirk. Yeah, and I like him teamed up with uh, Kaminari because I feel like he softens him a little bit. He does, 100%. Also, I just like everybody's dynamic and how, like, the entire class were working, like, fully 100% together. Yeah. Also, I feel like the sense of danger in this was very, like, kind of upfront as well. Yeah. Like, there's a lot more kind of quote-unquote peril with the whole situation. There was a lot more responsibility on the kids because it wasn't them... It wasn't them relying on themselves to save their lives. It was them relying on themselves and others relying on them to save their lives. Yeah. So it was, there was more to lose during Mm. this one. Oh yeah, 100%. And then we also get to see uh, Pouty Bakugo, which I (laughs) always think is a great time. Uh, Especially when he's paired up with Todoroki, because, um, yeah, the two of them have a really good dynamic. And I really enjoy the friendship that Bakugo and Kirishima have. Oh, yeah, like that, that is like bestie goals right there. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so let's let's get into kind of dissecting the plotline a little bit more about what happened. Let's do it. Take it away, Kami-sama-chan. Okay, so we start off with Miria and All Might on a plane going to this island. I don't actually know what the name of it is. Oh, no, start off with we're back in, in the old days with All Might and his friend David in college. We get to see All Might's eyeballs. I mean, we kind of get to see them anyway, but like really get to see them. He is a blue-eyed boy. He is a blue-eyed boy. Yeah, and and we get to see their their the um, initial stages of their friendship. We get to see uh, David's career afterwards. We get to see uh, how they met. I'm not sure if that all happens in this scene, but I know that it happens throughout semi early film. Mm-hmm. Um, there, I think there are several flashbacks, and uh, we get to see yeah, just their relationship between each other um, and All Might in America and reasons why he was, he names a lot of his, well, everything about him after American states and stuff is because of his time in college. Yeah. Yeah. So then we see All Might and Midoriya on a plane going to this floating island that I talked about, floating city, to uh, go to a convention thing that's happening there and to meet with David as well, um, All Might's old friend, who became a scientist to do, like, to help with hero gadgets and stuff. And uh, they arrive, All Might meets his niece, but not by blood, but, like, effectively niece, Melissa. And she kind of, (laughs) Deku gets a bit, like, uh, starry-eyed, older, uh, established female in the building. He's a young teenager, oh my god, what do I do, uh, kind of moment. And it's very funny because it's very, very well done, very cute, very appropriate, and just kind of sweet. I thought it was cute because it's like a little crush moment. Yeah. Although I'm also really upset that we haven't seen Melissa anymore in the show so far. Yeah, I'm very, I want, uh, the first time I saw her and realized what she did and her aspirations in life, I really wanted her to pair up with... Um, the device girl who like took over Sports Day. Oh my god, that? yes. 
Uh, I can't remember her name, but like, I feel like they would be such a good duo. I would take a whole spin-off of the two of them. One being crazy, insane, Melissa being much more like grounding and like her being like the straight man, I guess, in the, in the duo. Not only that, but I want like a whole like spin-off film of Melissa and Deku doing like David and All Might stuff. Yeah, that would be just like, I would have like, just like them messing with them kind of like like setting them up for picnics and stuff like almost setting them up for dates but it's not dates they're just buds but the way that they've done it makes it look like they're trying to set them on blind dates you know what i mean yes it's like come to this location at this hour and it's a picnic with candles and (laughs) they meet and they're like did you set this up and they're like no did you set this up and they're like no I was like, this is really weird. And then they both sit down and just enjoy their time together and like bond over all memories. And then the two of them are just like hiding in a bush somewhere, laughing their asses off about it. Like that, <laughs> that, was, that would be so funny to me. I would enjoy that greatly. That'd be amazing. I would love that 100%. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, David and All Might go off to run tests on All Might because obviously All Might's body is deteriorating. David at this point does not know about All For One. He only knows that All Might's abilities his quirk has drastically dropped in power he doesn't know that uh Miria is like has taken it and is filling in that spot for him so all he sees is his friend and who he sees as the symbol of peace rapidly de- deteriorating um and he is clearly very upset about this mm-hmm. while that's happening uh, Midoriya and Melissa are exploring the island. She's showing him around. She goes to school there for the, the hero science department or whatever. And uh, so she's showing him around the island. She's like 17. I think he's 15 at this time. So mm-hmm. he is like in that starstruck phase at the moment. And um, and then he bumps into, while they're there, three of his classmates from, from school. He asks them why they're there. Uh, finds out that pretty much the entire class is there from various reasons. Some of them got a jobs on the island. Some of them had family connections. Some of them were guests of people who had family connections. Bakugo won the sports festival, so he is there as a prize. And um, he took Kirishima because they're buds. So it's like the whole the whole classroom ends up being there. But I also like how the whole class like never actually gets together. No, yeah. In fact, not only that, like, not only is the whole class not together, but it's, like, the core group outside of, you know, Mineta and, well, Kaminari is probably one of the main ones. I'll put it like this. It's the most, like, I guess the biggest characters of the group, maybe, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, if you had to pick out, like, the most, like, fuck. I can't think of the right word. Prominent? Memorable? Uh, yes, and yes. Because it's not... Actually, Sue wasn't in there, surprisingly. Or Asui, whatever. Mm. But outside of her, like, it was... Like, if you had to name, like, the Class 1A characters, the ones that you could probably outright name, it would be that bunch. Yeah. Instead of it being the whole class, which I thought was cool. Yeah. No, agreed. Yeah, they don't even have the voice actors for the, the other classmates. Well, I mean, they were obviously in there. Like... yeah. Uh, Sugar Rush Dude and Tokoyami were, Mm -hmm. like, in their own, like, bedroom suite. It's like they were going to go to the expo, but, like, on the day where it was open to the public and not, like, the pre-rec day. Mm -hmm. Along with Asui, Invisible Girl, and uh, Acid Spitting Chick. Yeah. 
I can't remember names. There's too many names in Class 1A to remember. Yeah, well, it's a full classroom with the names. Uh, and then all of them go by two, normally, at least. Yep, at the very well, least. Well, three, if you include their superhero name. Yeah. Okay, so, showing around the island, they bump into old classmates. They then bump into more old classmates. The boys get mad. Uh, well, everyone's mad at uh, Miria at first when they think that he has been on a date with this Melissa, but um, then everyone quickly finds out that that is not the case. He also asks her to keep it hush that he arrived with All Might because, um, oh, I forgot to mention that All Might was also visiting as a surprise to David. David did not know that he was coming um, because Melissa decided to surprise him by asking his old friend to show up. So that's kind of key. And anyway, so then they decide that there is, there's this big banquet that's going to happen and they decide that they are going to attend together. So they're all going to meet up at this one point um, and then head to the banquet together where there's going to be like speeches and congratulations and stuff because it's this launch of this new area, right? Mm-hmm. And so they all then kind of part their different ways. And when they part, uh, Melissa asks Izuku or Midoriya to meet up with him and they go off to her laboratory where she then gives him the bracelet slash glove gadget that allows him to go at uh, full power for three times or three times All Might's power or something. That's how she, I don't really remember how she described it, but yeah, basically three All Might power. That's the important bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then uh, they run a bit late, so they have to quickly get dressed and then run down to meet with the rest of their class to then go to this banquet. Whilst that has been happening, in the banquet hall, they've started speeches already because those guys are running a bit late. And All Might is asked to give a speech. So he goes up on stage to, to start giving the speech. And when he does so, um, then the bad guys come out and they trap all of the heroes, including All Might, and uh, hold all of the rest of the people in the building hostage and the rest of the people on the island hostage. So obviously the people in the room, they're holding a lot more hostage with like guns aimed at their heads, but they're also like, they have um, robot police troopers or whatever going out on the streets that are getting everybody inside again and trapping them and stuff. And they threaten to like off them as well if the heroes don't cooperate. So all of the heroes in the room are pretty much stuck to just not do anything. Um, but they, the villains at this point do not know that the UA students are still hanging around. Mm -hmm. So when the big alarm system goes off, Melissa, who's with them and knows the entire building and layout of everything, um, says that they should take the emergency stairs and try and get up to the control tower on the top floor because in doing so, um, they will be able to basically see what's up and and get control over the security system because the announcement said something like, we've got into full lockdown because of a bomb threat or something. And she was mm -hmm. like, that doesn't sound right. We wouldn't, that, that security system is, that's too extreme. So... The guys thought, oh my god, something's going on here. And Bakugo and Kirishima are not with the group at this point. They are off lost elsewhere. Okay. Can we can we talk about this for okay. a second? Yes. How? How do those two get lost on a way to the banquet on the first floor? Yeah. They're on the 80th floor. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I okay, I get it. 
because it's Kirishima. Bakugo is questionable for this kind of stupidity, but the fact that Kirishima's there makes it. The only way that I could think it it happened was Bakugo was checked out. He was like, I'm not listening to this kid anymore. I'm just going to follow along behind him. And then but he, he was, was leading the pack. I know, right? He's like, I know where I'm going. And it's just it's just the blind leading the blind at this point. Yeah, it's his stubborn behavior that, that got in the way. Oh, but it's great. It's hilarious. I love it. Yes, very much so. Very funny. We do, <laughs> Their dynamic is great. Um, yeah, so then they all decide to make it up to, what is it, 300 floors? 200 floors? I don't even remember. 200 um, floors. It's 200 like Einkrad, but doubled. Mm. To get to this control room. Which, please don't put your control rooms at the top of buildings. Put control rooms at the bottom of buildings, please. Uh, yes, because this kind of, like, this level's a plot. is just hot levels. Yeah. <laughs> the amount, um, the stair running montage on this. Oh my god, yeah. Can, can okay. Here's another thing I want to talk about. You have a character that defies gravity. Mm -hmm. Why did they run up 50 levels of stairs when they have a character that can float shit? Yeah, you know, I was thinking about that um, as soon as it happened. I was like, they should just go outside and have her float float them up and then smash through a window. I mean, not only that, but she could have just floated them up the stairs. Yeah. I'm going to let this one go because it's anime. I get it. But oh my lord. Especially whenever Melissa's quirkless. Yeah. And in heels. She had to take her shoes off and was running barefoot. Yeah. Like, no. Oh my goodness. I mean, it's, it made for a good shot. Like a good sequence. But my goodness. Yeah. Especially when Deku could just like go full cowling and just sprint up the stairs. I was gonna say he could just jump like every stair well. Like Or Todoroki could have used his eyes and just pushed them all up. Yeah. Just so so many so many things. Just <laughs> Yeah. The only oh. way that I'm gonna explain this is that they were in a panic and so went thinking logically. But also they are training to be heroes that think logically when in a panic. So Yeah, you have a guy that has engines for legs, a dude that can just turn the entire stair stairwell into icicles and could have pushed them all up. Deku who could have picked up Melissa and just jumped all over the place. Yeah. And then a girl who could just, like, make anything. Anyway, stair running montage. <laughs> she, I can't believe she didn't make, like, sneakers and socks for poor Melissa. Right? She spent the whole time barefoot. That poor girl. Oh, God. Yeah, okay. So, stair running montage. Yay! Uh, when they get to certain levels, I don't remember the names of the, the floors of the levels of what they happen, but basically they run into giant robot... The police guys who are outside also policing all those people. And it's like, uh, then the the people start, the villains start seeing on security cameras that there are kids there and they're doing shit because Minato is a dick who pulls a lever that lets them all know that they're there. Um, and then they have to start fighting off these robot police guys. In doing so, obviously, they get separated up because that's how everything works. And uh, pretty soon... Yeah, uh, we get to see Bakugo and uh, Kirishima and Toroki fighting in a plant area against two villains. Then we get to see 
uh, a bunch of the other classmates fighting against the robot dudes in like a warehouse type area. Then eventually it is just uh, Uraraka and Miria and Melissa who have gone on further and Uraraka is floating the two of them, uh, Miria and Melissa, up to get to an escape hatch so they can keep going further. Melissa is the only one who knows how to change the control panels, which is why they're taking her so far, because, like, she does the tech stuff. And then all these big guys come in, and they're, like, gonna get Uraraka, but then, just in time, Bakugo and um, Todoroki and Hiroshima come in and stop them all, and it's very, like, last minute, yay. Uh, Minata ends up going outside for a moment, and then helps him st- helps himself stay sane, because he's thinking about harms, uh, which is very <laughs> normal for him. <laughs> Very normal for him. Just, just, oh my goodness, the fact that Kaminari had to bribe him <laughs> with a harem. Right. And then the whole time he's climbing up the wall, he's just going, harem, 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 harem. And how many vaults did Kaminari? I couldn't breathe. Like, throw out before he went brain dead two million or something? Two million volts. Yeah. My goodness. And the, the, the robots were fine. <laughs> Yeah, just like that, their outsides were a little bit crispy. But that's it. <laughs> Honestly, I feel so bad for him because I genuinely feel like he could be one of the most powerful in the classroom. Like, I feel like he could be up there with Bakugo. He could be up there with Midoriya. He could be up there with Todoroki. But he is just so thick. Yeah, and he's getting better. Like, now he has those yeah. discs to where he can, like, pinpoint his electricity. Yeah. But. It- I don't get how Pikachu can be so precise with its electricity, but Kaminari is just electricity everywhere, which is realistic. Yeah. Like, if you just openly produce electricity, it's going to go wherever. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Because I feel like, I don't know, I feel like he needs to team up with a water-producing hero. I mean, you could do it with Todoroki with him making ice and then melting it with his fire and then him zapping it. But, like, I feel like if he had a water-producing sidekick or, or partner, he would be unstoppable. Really good. But also, he's such a himbo. Like, he's he's not the smartest. Um, but we kind of adore him for that because he is very much comedic relief. Oh, very much so. I feel like he's probably the most comedic relief out of any of the characters. I agree. I agree. I 100% agree with that. Yeah. He is, he is big. He's great. Very good character. Like him, 10 out of 10. Um, right, yeah. So then Melissa and Midoriya go up to the top floor with the control panel. And they are running through and she shuts off the security. And then they run through and then they get into the room and they find out. Da, 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 David was behind it all along. All Might's old school friend, Melissa's dad. It's a big plot twist. Turns out that his assistant named Sam had kind of talked him into doing this. The reason why he decided to go with it is because he doesn't know about Deku taking All Might's place. He feels like there is no one else to be the symbol of peace. And they, the company that he was working for and the board of directors of science or whatever, um, had taken this gadget that he had made, this technology that he had developed, um, that basically enhances uh, a natural quirk and like, I, I guess, times it by 10 or whatever. And he wanted to steal it back from them because they took it from him, saying that it was too dangerous. They couldn't release this technology out. They had to lock it away somewhere. So he did this whole 
thing of holding everyone hostage so that he was able to steal it back to be able to use it on All Might to make his quirk better and, and keep him being the symbol of peace. However, he was also being double-crossed by Sam, his assistant, who was working for some guy who we don't really know who he is right now. And then both Sam and David get shot. Melissa gets tossed about a bunch and Midoriya is trying to fight them off and is doing a pretty good job, but he's obviously pretty spent this time. Like the whole group of kids are all completely exhausted by this. They've ran 200 levels and have been fighting villains the entire time. And so he's fighting them off, but he's he's really super exhausted when all of a sudden, because the security system was shut down, All Might was able to escape and smashes through the floors and comes and saves the day with then, except he does not quite save the day because more fighting ensues. Not only does more fighting ensue, however, so Big Bad decides to put on helmet that make him big strong. Not only does Big Bad put on helmet that make him big strong, but also come to find out Big Bad is working from actual show Big Bad. So he got extra quirks and extra power from All for One, therefore Big Bad of film is even bigger Big Bad than what was initially thought, and he decides to put a hurting on All Might. Yes, and All Might at this point has been in his All Might pose, or or like um, buffed out for like hours. And a has, lot of hours. Yeah, and he has, he has well passed his limit even before he escapes. Yeah, because All Might at this point in the show can only stay in his muscle form for an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. And that's without using his powers that kind of push him. So this man has been in his muscle form basically all day, except for what little time he spent with David whenever he was like checking on him and whatnot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But other than that, all day, this man has been in his muscle form. So he is out of it. Yeah. And so David gets kidnapped by this guy and he gets put in the giant suit thing. I don't know. Um, and, and the point is that they're going to kill All Might, basically. That's that's the thing. David is obviously horrified because he did not know that he was being double-crossed. He thought that it was all fake villains that had been hired to carry out this plot to help him steal back his thing. He didn't think that anybody was in actual danger. And now, obviously, he's realizing that he wasn't told the whole truth. People were in actual danger. And the bad guy who wants this... Um, technology isn't taking it for David to use, he's taking it for himself to use. Obviously, he's now wearing it. So they all end up on the roof of the building. They're fighting, big fight scene on the roof of the building. All Might is captured at one point. He is, we. it's kind of hinted at that he has been killed. Midoriya then goes along and smashes him out of it. And uh, it's found out that he managed to protect himself. The two of them team up. And beat the fudge out of Bad Boy. And just that combined Detroit smash there at the end between the two of them was fantastic to look at. And also, you know, just fan service for Shonen fans. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then that, that I really do think they did that super well, how they kept hinting to that image of All Might well, not hinting to it, blatantly showing you that image of All Might in his, like, Superman pose, I guess. Mm-hmm. And how that was what David always attached to being the symbol of peace. And then that moment where Muria is shown as that 
in that pose and then it it fades from All Might to Midoriya is just so satisfying. Oh, it is. It's just, it's like somebody finally realizes, like, what Deku can be. Yeah. That's not attached to him like Gran Torino. Yeah. And everything else. So it, it's a fantastic visual. Mm-hmm. And again, it's just, just kind of fan service. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's a very good plot line. It's a, a very simple idea of just, you know, one generation not seeing that the next generation is ready to take the torch. You know, they're just just blind to it. It's not that he didn't want it to happen. It's not that he was he was scared of it to happen or, or, or angry that it was going to happen. He just didn't, blatantly didn't see it. In his mind, they were still children. They, like, it didn't occur to him there could be someone to replace All Might um, in any way. And then he ends up going to extremes to save All Might when he should have been looking elsewhere just like his daughter is training to replace him all might have mm. someone to replace him too well it's because all might is david's like greatest friend yeah and he knew about all might's injury and that he was losing his ability to be a hero mm-hmm. so he spent years and just so much of his time trying to develop something to where all might could stay as a you know, as the symbol of peace and could stay the All Might that he's always, you know, known, loved, and respected. Mm-hmm. And so just, it was just a moment of, you know, he's like, okay, I fucked up, I'm going to jail, but at the same time, I can finally be at peace that although All Might might not be able to be the symbol of peace for long, these two very well could be like the next version of you know, he and I of, you know, the symbol of peace combo that, yeah. you know, the world needs. Yeah. It's just super satisfying to see, you know, the whole class fight together with Deku and All Might to stop the big bad. Yeah, 100%. And it was it was kind of a, it was a good light to shine on Bakugo as well, because I feel like sometimes he comes across as very self-centered. And in this film, he came across as personally self-centered, but... Out, like like outwardly self-centered but but very very kind and in it as a team and i think it was a really good representation of his true character in this film and just that little bit at the end after deku and all might like knock off the big bad like how he and todoroki are both kind of looking up and smiling mm-hmm. and then todoroki cuts his eyes at bakugo and bakugo's like oh fuck yeah <laughs> it just yeah. immediately goes back to scowling yeah like, that was just such a good moment of growth. Yeah, 100%. I think it was a really, really good showing of both of those two characters in this film. It's one of those things where it's like, if you were not such a big fan of Bakugo's character before, I think you would change your mind during this film. 100%. Uh, one thing I didn't like about the film is the uh, lack of resolution to do with David. I don't understand what you mean. Like, I don't know. I just felt like I want I wanted just a tad more of being like consequences. It he was in the hospital surrounded by guards. Yeah. And then he go to jail. Well, okay, fine. But I wanted like I don't know. I just you know, I'm Did you want like a whole court proceeding of like Ace Attorney where he stands up and goes, Objection, this man is guilty. Honestly, yes. Like like we we all knew he was going to jail. Like there's there's no doubt about it. Like you see that little bit in the end of him still being in the hospital recovering where Melissa's in there, but they were surrounded by guards. Yeah. Like that man was going to jail. Yeah, I feel like I what I uh 
Maybe it was just like I just wanted like. Did you want to see him in jail in the post credit no, scene? Was that not... it just made you feel better? No, I just wanted like. I don't know. Maybe it was like between him and All Might. Maybe I don't know. But you had that moment though of him and All Might talking there at the end about the next generation. So you had know, that finale. But like I wanted like All Might to be like, "You're an idiot." <laughs> But I feel like it wasn't necessary because he admitted that he wasn't. fucked up. Like he, no, yeah, it wasn't necessary. But it's one of those things in my brain where I wanted it. I, it doesn't take anything away from the film for me. I'm still going to score it the same. It's just one of those things where it's like it would have just get. I just, I just, I'm just selfish. I want more. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Yeah, honestly, I don't think I'm ever going to watch anything that I enjoy and not want more content for it. Oh no, I get it. It's like yeah. Food Wars. Even though we're never going to get more, we're still going to sit here and be selfish and want more. Yeah. Yeah. See, this is why we end up buying merch, because we don't have content, so we buy merch. Uh, yes. <laughs> I can yeah. 100% stand behind that. Yeah. So, okay. on on the notes of ratings, what do you give it? I I feel like I'm going with everybody else. I'm giving this a solid eight. Oh. What's your thoughts? Nine. You're a nine? I, I see it. I 100% see it. I think... I don't know what's holding back from... Maybe it's just... I don't know. Are, are you going to be swayed? Can can I sway... Can I, you know, sway you towards the nine column? Okay, let's hear your points. Why should it be a nine? Because it has everything a shonen needed to be phenomenal. You had excellent fight scenes. You had character growth out of a shonen film. Mm-hmm. The film was canon. You got to see a new character introduced that could potentially help grow the show Mm -hmm. along the way. Mm -hmm. It had humor. It -hmm. had conflict and resolution all together. It tied everything up very nicely into a very nice little bow. Soundtrack, good. Not great, but good. Soundtrack kind of knocks off half a point. Mineta knocks off another half point. Yeah. So other than that, nine. Okay. Reason why I'm giving it an eight then, with that same point system. Uh, I found the flashbacks too much. I had to skip through them. We've also seen the show. So therefore, people would have been going to see that in theaters with having no prior background knowledge into the actual show. I get that. But also, I've seen other shows do it better, where they have like not done it in one large chunk and they've kind of fed it to you little by little. And then it didn't feel like it was uh, zone out time. But again, shows and films are two vastly different things. Yeah, but like I feel I don't know. I've seen other I've seen other films do it better where they have referenced previous seasons and like given you the context of things without making me feel bored. I was bored during that time. Shame. Shame, 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 shame. Yeah. yeah that's just my personal opinion. Oh, and also the fight scene wasn't as pretty as the other fight scene of the other film. But it was two years before. I know it was. You but can't hold that against it. I can because I'm comparing it to the best anime that we have seen and it doesn't hold up. The best anime that we've seen. Yeah. So in your opinion, what is the best anime that we have seen so far? Okay, so say I'm holding it to for a film. Let's compare it to the Demon Slayer film that just came out. I feel like that's an unfair comparison, because although the Demon Slayer film had very pretty visuals at times, it also had really shitty visuals at times with the CGI. Yeah, but I don't think I rated that a 10 out of 10, so... No, you didn't. However, this film did the CGI right. Although it's slightly jarring, it's nowhere near as bad. Mm-hmm. 
And I think we gave Mugen Train like an eight and a half or a nine. Yeah, so I feel like this holds as an eight. Mugen Train was more emotionally pulling than this was to me, even though this could have been just as emotionally pulling because of Melissa's relationship with her father. I feel like that moment when she discovered it was him could have been a tearjerker for me, but it wasn't. But on the flip side, though, you didn't have as much of an emotional attachment to them because that relationship wasn't built up anywhere near as much as the like your feelings towards Rengoku. Yeah, but other because the feelings with Rengoku cry. had actual stakes. Right, but, this did not but, have any real stakes because we know where the show goes after this. But still, I feel like other films sort of made me cry. Because I didn't know about David, right? I had never known about him so and Melissa. So their stakes were legit. But did they die? They could have. But did they? No, but like there could have been a moment where you thought that David had died or like the, her betrayal of that, that could have been so heartbreaking that because I don't only cry when characters die. So I could have been pulled to the point of having such strong emotion with her betrayal for her father. All I'm saying is eight out of ten. <laughs> All I'm saying is is that I'm literally just arguing with you for the sake of arguing with you at this point. See, this is why as I swear we were siblings in another life. Like this is yeah. Oh, oh no, I I 100% get where you're coming from. Like, yeah. I'm literally arguing a point that doesn't make sense. However, I will say this. Okay. If our backlog episode for Monday does not, at the very least, get a nine out of you, I'm quitting the podcast. Oh, oh okay, high stakes. I, I'm kidding. Although, I will go ahead and blatantly say Monday's backlog episode is a 10. Okay. Because that film psychologically fucked me up. Fun. I love it so much. I can't wait. I, I can't wait to hear your thoughts on it, although it's, oh, it's going to be a pain to sit through. It's so good. So fucking good. And it's so pretty. Oh my God, I love it. Okay. I guess I have that to look forward to then. Yeah. But yeah, it, it gets a nine for me. Like, it hits every shonen box that it needs to hit. Nice. I get the shonen. It's my hero. It's great. I love it. It's fantastic. And to me, again, I prefer this over Heroes Rising. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what I rated Heroes Rising, but if whatever I did rate it, knock it down to like a 7.5, because after comparing it to this, I, I was going to say, I feel like you gave Heroes Rising like an 8. Yeah, if I did, it's now a 7.5. I feel like we need to go back through all of our old stuff and re-score them based on things that we have seen now because obviously the more anime that we watch the more our opinions are going to formulate and the more our standards are going to get higher and higher and higher and those old scores that we gave stuff i feel like we're gonna have to we're gonna have to adjust those i mean you gotta think like we started the podcast other than you know wise man's grandchild <laughs> we started the podcast with some heavy fucking hitters yeah you're lying april Demon Slayer, Rascal Does Not Dream of Bunny Girl Senpai, ReZero, Dr. Stone. I We started off Tanaka heavy. Tanaka was right off but, the bat, yeah. As yeah, well, but so again, like, like, it's we've seen so much fantastic stuff since then. And we've covered more stuff that we, like, truly love and enjoy mm -hmm. along the way. So I see where you're coming from. That's, you know, there's our year-end review this year. Instead of just writing everything. That we've done this year, let's just, let's go through everything and like rescore what we've yeah. done and see how our thoughts and everything have changed since then. 
I feel like we need to add a couple more columns into our spreadsheet to uh, put whatever we rated on them. I'm not going back and listening through other podcasts <laughs> to see what we've done. Them. I, I will pay somebody to do that. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to have to we're going to have to figure that out. At least we know it's roughly in the last 20 minutes of the podcast. Yeah, like last 10 to 15, give or take, unless yeah. we've had like rambling sessions like this one going on. Who knows? Who knows? Okay, let's end this rambling session. We've been going at it for a while. So if you like the beautiful voice that has accompanied me this week, Blue, she is on Instagram and Twitter at Blue Lavender STM. I almost forgot to say Twitter like that. <laughs> like it almost just slipped out as Twitter. Oh no. <laughs> but Blasphemy. I kept it as it should be. <laughs> So she's on Instagram and Twitter at Blue Lavender STM. She is on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash Blue Lavender. She also has an Instagram for her dog Tilly at the best Tilly Bean, where if you like doggo photos, that's the best place on the internet to go. Mm-hmm. And if you like Brad, who's joining me here today and all other podcasts that I've been on, you can find him at uh, Brad Carter Gaming on Twitch, on Instagram. And um, uh, around uh, other places as well. So Sneaky, try and find him because he's sometimes on some sneaky platforms that he doesn't tell you about because he's sneaky. And and we also have social media for the podcast at BNB Anime on pretty much all platforms. So if you're interested as to where you can find us, just search BNB Anime. We'll either pop up or we won't. We have a YouTube channel where we have all of our episodes archived. We also have a website at www.bnbanime.com where you can go on there and find information about the podcast, behind the scenes stuff, links to Brad and I's IMDb's for our voice acting stuff, artwork, friends of the podcast, and links to your favorite listening platforms and easy download right on the website as well. There's also a comment section there so you can drop your comments and opinions. You could do that on the YouTube or hit us up in those DMs as well. Because like I've said before, and I will say it again, we are just two idiots with big mouths that like anime and we have no credentials in any of this. So our opinions are valid to ourselves, but they don't make any like, they don't have any impact on anybody else, you know? So, so if you have either similar opinions or differing opinions or ideas on what we should cover next or counterpoints, whatever you want to talk about, please let us know because we love reading about them and commenting back to you guys and, and having that open discussion because, yeah, it's a good time. It helps us, like, reformulate our ideas and, and develop as critical reviewers because, yeah, like I said, we don't actually know what we're doing. So if you guys have any tips or... or or thoughts or opinions, we we definitely want to know about those. So yeah, hit us up in those comments. Not only that, but it helps us schedule future episodes because at yeah. this point it's just me being like, I want to watch this. Boom. Oh, Blue would like this. Boom. Here you yeah. go. Like it's just kind of that. So if you have something you want us to watch or cover, just let us know because mm-hmm. we are always taking suggestions and card is always subject to change in the schedules. Just just let us know. Just let us know. So, thank you all so much for listening. Blue and I greatly appreciate it. If you liked what you heard, then do be sure to hit that follow, subscribe, whatever kind of button it is on whatever listening platform you're listening to. That way you get notified when new episodes go live, because they do go live every Sunday at 9.30pm on Sunday EST. And then the YouTube video goes up whenever I remember to do it, because... Podbean sucks whenever it comes to generating YouTube videos. It used to actually automatically upload them, but then it stopped. I don't know what I'm paying them for. 
Because I pay them good money for that shit to just automatically upload to YouTube, and it doesn't do it. Yeah. Anyway, that's a rant for a different time. Next week, Himotoro Umaru-chan. You're going to have a great time with this, because Umaru is Tanaka, but a female version. Oh, I'm excited. But instead of, like, (laughs) instead of Tanaka with, like, his outwardly listless version, Umaru has two different versions of herself. At school, she is, like, the prettiest individual ever. Like, everybody loves her. Like, she is the talk of the class. When she goes home, she puts on her cape hood, and she just becomes a little miniature chibi version of herself. And she just lays around, eats potato chips, plays video games, and watches anime. It is absolutely fantastic. I cannot wait to hear your thoughts on it. I'm excited. So, that sounds like fun. Oh, it's going to be great. Like, that's basically our next month is just a month of stupid that I'm really looking forward to watching. Yeah. So y'all have that to look forward to. Until then, we'll catch y'all next time. Bye-bye. Bye.